0: Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Well, I want to preach to you today and talk to you about this concept of the sounds of revival. you know, the Lord really started dealing with me uh, on this topic and on this sermon series all the way back in the month of October, first part of November. And I started thinking about some of the things that Accompany revival, I, I really want revival to take place, and I really want God to move in our midst and I want to see the power of God manifest in our services and, and and I started thinking about, well, what happens for revival to really take place and and I thought of some of the things that i 've heard in my past with revival, not necessarily the preaching but the things the sounds that accompany revival. And so we talked a little bit about that last week and and today I'm going to jump in and talk about one of the sounds that we always hear with revival is the sound of prayer. I'm going to talk about prayer today and this is what I have found that prayer always precedes revival. If we want to be revived in the Lord and if we want our spirit to be renewed in the Lord, there is always going to be the sound of revival that will precede that, that will come before that. And it's something about that sound of prayer that really just brings about uh, something in us when we pray that attracts the uh, heart of God. Uh, this is what the Lord said to His people, the children of Israel, all the way back in Second Chronicles chapter 7. In verse number 14, now I know you see this all the time, but I really want you to listen to this verse and think about it in in this uh, meaning of how it comes before there is a reviving. And this is what the scripture says. It says, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will heal, hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore Their land. Now, I know that this is uh, talking about a very specific time in the history of Israel, but it is a principle that can be applied to what we need from God. And and that need that we have, and and, and, uh, Nick talked about it, those needs that we carry, whatever they may be, there is something about prayer if we are willing to humble ourselves and pray and, and, and seek God's face. That's so important in our time of prayer is to really... Seek God's face and then to turn from our wicked ways. Because the first sound of prayer that precedes revival is the prayer of repentance. Everybody just say repentance. Repentance is a prayer that has to be prayed. For revival to even be possible, you, you see, there's these issues that we have in our life, and it's called sin that is constantly separating us from God. But a simple prayer of repentance unites us back to God, and He revives us or He uh, uh, quickens us through His Spirit. Now, uh, last week I talked about that, and, and one of the things that I spoke about in my message last week is that there are several things that. We we must do immediately if we really want to move of God in 2022. And, and one of the things that I mentioned is that we must seek God with a broken and a contrite heart. Uh, uh, that prayer of repentance and and, and that, that thing that we need uh, to do so that God will move in our life. And and I, I mentioned that we have to seek God with that broken and contrite heart. And and I'd like to just pose a question to you and I'm not going to ask you to answer it. I'm going to actually answer the question for you, but but let's just ask this question. Why is repentance essential to revival? Why? Why, why do we have to go through that? Why would we have to repent um, so that we could really see God move doesn 't God want to move? Yes, he does. He wants to move, but repentance is simply us aligning ourselves with what god 's will is and what God wants to accomplish, and it puts the church in the position where we can uh, respond to what God has to say for us. When Jesus came, he came seeking people that would serve him, follow him. And and unfortunately, the the vast majority uh, of the nation of Israel rejected him. And a lot of that rejection was because of the religious leaders of the day. And, And there was a time that Jesus confronted them. As a matter of fact the harshest words that we see in the scripture that Jesus ever gave were were, were words that he gave to the religious leaders and people that were so full of religion. And and this is what he said in in Luke chapter 3. He says, when the crowds came to to John for baptism, this is John speaking now, you you brood of snakes who warn you to flee the coming wrath. Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turn to God. So he's talking to these very religious people that were holding on to these ways of living, and and, and what he was telling them is, it's obvious that you haven't repented, that you're not following God. Uh, it's obvious that you haven't turned to God because you think that everything is okay. I, I mentioned last week that passage in the Book of Revelation where the Spirit of the Lord was speaking to the church and saying, you think you're fine, you think you're rich, and you're increased with goods, and really, you're poor. You're, what, 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 it's, what, what it's saying is, you don't realize how much you need me. Can, can we just can we just make this declaration in this room right now? We need Jesus. Does anybody agree with that? We need Jesus. Anybody in the Houston campus, do you agree with that? We need Jesus. Jesus and and when I look at what Jesus said about repentance over and over again that this is what I find I find first of all that repentance if I am truly repentant if my heart if I bring my heart to the Lord and I ask for a clearing a cleansing a a change in my heart. What happens is it opens the way for me to really have a relationship with god it, it, it 's it's a, it's a, a time where I can come close to him and and, and repentance is always uh, two sided it 's me turning from my sin, but it's God then coming towards me and that incredible relationship that he wants to have with each and every one of us. So I must turn away from my sin and turn towards God, but the other part of that is when I do that, that really opens the way for me to have that relationship with God because God is attracted to our prayer of repentance and he is faithful to forgive us, and he's faithful to walk with us. Second thing that I find about repentance is that repentance demonstrates real faith you know there, there's a lot of people that that have um, faith because it comes from their parents or faith that it comes from their grandparents or or faith because that's just the way they were raised. They were always in church and so there's a level of faith but, but true faith is when you've made the decision on your own from your own heart when you've gone through those issues where you are the one that says I am going to take that step not just because of what my parents have said or my grandparents but because I want to have that relationship with the Lord. And so repentance, true repentance, where we are clearing our heart, where we are confessing our faults, our sin, and walking in that changed life is just amazing to bring us to that place where there is real faith in our life. Let me refer back to these religious leaders in the days of Jesus. They, they dressed holy. They, they spoke holy. They stood on the corners and, and, and proclaimed their own righteousness. But when Jesus came and saw them, along with John the Baptist, he condemned them. He said, there's, there's nothing about you that's holy. He actually called them uh, uh, like a, a, a whited sepulcher you're you're beautiful on the outside and that that was a like a tomb but on the inside you were full of dead man's bones that's how he described them how uh, he challenged them and and the reason that we see this over and over again is because this was a type of people that wanted to be known for their religion but their hearts were not open for change They were not open to recognize who Jesus was or to walk with Jesus or to see the miracles. They would watch him perform miracles and instead of rejoicing about the power of God, they would condemn Jesus because of the way he did the miracle. Well, you did it this way, and you did it that way, and you shouldn't have done that. And and they were completely caught up in their own way of living. They had no real faith where they were following God, and, and repentance is always tied to uh, action of my life if I am really repentant, there's going to be a faith in my life that gives me the strength that I need to walk through any situation and then the third thing and maybe the most important thing is that when I truly repent it breaks the bondage of sin that is in my life It breaks that bondage of sin. It breaks the ties that are in my life. And and one more time, I'll refer to those religious leaders. Not only were they unwilling to repent, but it led them to deeper and deeper sins and and thoughts to the place where they plotted and executed Jesus Christ. They killed him because there was never that turn in their heart. And and I I think that there's something we should see there. And that is is unrepented sin always leads to greater sin. Unrepented sin always leads... To greater sin. That voice that you heard, my dad, I heard him say many times and I see a few people here that you can remember him saying this. Sin will take you further than you wanted to go. It'll keep you there longer than you wanted to stay and it'll cost you more than you were willing to pay because it just keeps leading us. And so what repentance does is it breaks those chains of sin in our life and really leads us to the place where we can have that relationship with God. Now I am, uh, I I want people to pray. I I want people to pray. And I, I believe that God hears the call of the desperate. I believe that God hears the call of those that are hungry. But I want you to also understand something. According to what Paul said in the book of Ephesians, we're dead When we're in our trespasses and sin and when we're dead, it's hard to speak a word. Dead people don't talk. It's hard to speak a word. And what we have to do, first of all, is we have to have that quickening of quickening of the spirit. And I personally believe that the prayer that the Lord hears first from our lips is the prayer of repentance. It's the prayer of us turning around. It's the prayer of us coming back to God. Listen to what the what the um, psalmist says in Psalms 66 and 18. He says, "If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened." That's a powerful verse, isn't it? It, it really puts it in perspective how important how important. This prayer of repentance is. And, and spiritual revival, listen to this spiritual revival, a reviving, a quickening, a, a, a healing in my heart, rejuvenation in my spirit, it cannot take place without the prayer of repentance. Revival follows repentance. Turn to your neighbor and say, revival follows repentance. And I've prayed about this and I've asked God to give us a year. I I want our church to experience a year of supernatural spiritual revival. I I want our church to experience a year where we hear about God healing this person and God delivering this person and God say, is anybody with me? I want that. I don't want to ever go to a church where it's just a party, where it's just a social gathering, where I just go to see my friends. I love, I love seeing my friends. I am one of those guys that's just um, energized by hugging somebody's neck that I haven't seen and, and seeing people that are my friends. I'm energized by that. But more than doing that, I want to go to church where my soul is moved and where God talks to me. And where there is something that is happening that is beyond this world. Amen. And, and and if we are going to be serious about having that then as a church we have to put ourselves in the position of repentance we have to put ourselves in the position of God forgive me of Lord I want to make sure that I am right before you and, and, and so I, I, I'm going to ask you to do something at the Houston campus here at the Friendswood campus that, that may be a little awkward for you but I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now and, and I'm going to ask you to just let me pray a prayer of repentance for our church I'm going to ask you if there's something in your heart you could just say Lord I want to turn away from that if anything is in my life that is not pleasing to you Lord don't let it be a part of my life I want to be clean before you how many of you will pray that with me right now how many of you will just seek God's face how many of you will just make up your mind I'm going to turn from any wicked way that I have let me see your hands if that's uh, here and I know it's happening in Houston. And let me just pray for you. Lord, you see Life Church, and you see what we want, God. We want you. We want more of you. We want you in our midst. We want you to move. We want the power of God to be manifest. God, we want to stand in a place where we can see you have your way in people's lives, deliverances and healings and and salvations and transformations, oh God. And and I just pray right now. Right now, dear Lord, we know that if we're ever gonna truly see that, it's because we as a church come before you in repentance. And so, I'm asking you, dear Lord, look at us, examine us, see our hearts, oh God. Will you pray that with me? See our hearts, oh God. One more time, say it with me. See our hearts, oh God. And if there's anything that is not pleasing to you, oh God, anything in our life that would separate us from you and from your work I pray dear Lord that you would remove it we repent of it we repent of actions that are sinful we repent of thoughts that are sinful we repent of of anything that we have done dear Lord that is not pleasing and I just pray right now that your forgiveness would come as we seek your face oh God help us to stand before you oh Lord uh, returning from our sins uh, turning towards you with all of our heart. I pray it in Jesus name. How many of you will just join me right now? Say in Jesus name. Can we give the Lord a good hand clap of praise? Oh, that felt good. That felt good. Feels good to turn. It feels good to turn to God. God bless you. You may be seated. And I'm thankful for that prayer of repentance. Now let me go on. I've got a couple of more points here that I want to cover. And the second, this is something that I always heard in my life growing up. I always heard these types of comments and these types of prayer prayed when there was a revival. Listen to this. It's simply prayers that exalt Jesus Christ. Amen. It's all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. And if it ever gets to be where it's about something else, then we've missed it. It is all about Jesus. And something that is very important for a church that is in revival is to constantly lift up the name of Jesus and to exalt the name of Jesus there's something about it when we look at the truth of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for our life that completely change changes the spiritual atmosphere I'm going to give you an example from the book of Acts chapter 10 one of my favorite chapters in the Bible because it was so groundbreaking in the transformation of the church going from the religion of Judah. Judaism and breaking from that and becoming really the Christian church where now it was Gentile and Jew. Just a beautiful, beautiful chapter that I love, and I've I've just gained so much from studying it through the years. And 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 let me just give you the setting for it. Peter has gone into this house of the Gentiles. Now we don't really understand all of that terminology in the world we're living in, Jews and Gentiles. To the extent of of how it was looked at in those days. In those days, the Jews... They looked down upon the Gentiles, and the Gentiles hated the Jews. I mean, there was such a racial tension between the Jewish people and every other nationality around them because, as I've mentioned before, they had become very exalted in themselves, and they, they didn't think anybody else had a way to God. They didn't think anybody else had a chance. And, and when Peter is in this home of Simon, God starts giving him this vision of how he's going going to go and he's going to eat all of this food that Peter had never eaten before it, it was all tied to the dietary laws of the old testament and and so the Lord prepares this plate and this table for Peter and says hey rise and eat and Peter's oh no God let, let me just give you a good hint right now whenever you tell God no that's not a good thing it's, that's not advisable. When when you hear something from God, you, you should be a yes man. Yes, that's exactly what I want to do. And, and, but Peter wouldn't do it because he was so wrapped up in his traditionalism, so wrapped up in the laws of Judaism, that, that the Lord had to give him that vision three different times. And even at the end of it, he was like, I just don't know. I've got to think about this. I've got to ponder this. And, and as he's pondering, these men come that are Gentiles and say, hey, the, the angel of the Lord has told our master that you need to come to our house Peter had never stepped into a Gentile house in his whole life and he goes in there's a big discussion about I've come in and all all kind of things And, and they actually knelt down and started worshiping him and he's like no no I'm just a man I don't don't worship me and I want you to just, I'm gonna read a verse and then I'm gonna go backwards. So I'm gonna start in verse 44, then I'm gonna go back into the 30s and, and, and talk about it. Listen to verse 44. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on them who were listening to the message. And this is why the Spirit fell. He was preaching about Jesus, he was exalting Jesus. He went into this home that had never heard any of these amazing truths, and he told them what Jesus had to say. This is when revival will come. Revival is likely to come in great power when Jesus is lifted up on high, when Jesus is exalted. When Jesus is made the center of our focus. (laughs) I, I wonder for just a minute both here and there if we could just say Jesus. You know, there's something about that name and the power of that name. And, and as I look at this passage of scripture, I see how Peter exalted Jesus. And I'm going to do this quickly. He first of all told the household of Cornelius that Jesus was a bringer of peace. Listen to verse 36. This is the message of the good news for the people of Israel that there is peace in with God through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. I I want peace. I want peace with God. Don't you? Does anybody want peace with God? Let me tell you why you should say yes about that. Because the other side of peace of God is, is where we're subject to the wrath of God because we're in sin. But Jesus came to break that sin in our life and to forgive us. And now we can stand on the side where there is peace with God in our heart because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Because we're turned away from his wrath and we're now in the blessings of God. So the first thing that that Peter says is he lives up Jesus and he said this is God's peacemaker. God's peacemaker has come and he sent the good news of peace by Jesus. Jesus Christ. He also said in that verse, the last part of that verse, that Jesus is Lord of all. Amen. This is the one that we're going to worship. This is the one that we're going to serve. Jesus is Lord of all. He's not just Lord of the Jews, he's also the Lord of the Gentiles, just like Cornelius and the family that is there. He's the Lord of the Gentiles. But not only the Lord of the Gentiles, what we see in this scripture is that he's Lord over all, over all spiritual authority, over all realms of the spirit. He is the Lord of Lords, he is the King of Kings, he's the Lord of the universe, and everything that is in it, that's lifting Jesus. Jesus up. That's exalting Jesus. And as a church as we exalt him and as we lift him up and as we acknowledge that he is Lord of all, there's something that starts happening in the dynamics of our worship. It's no longer just a routine. It's no longer just something that we go through but we realize the one that I am worshiping is the Lord of all. Over all, he is in authority of all things amen oh come on let's give him a hand clap of praise our jesus is worthy (laughs) <laughs> last Sunday I was preaching, and after the sermon, uh, there was a young lady that came and talked to me, and she talked about how um, she had been uh, raised Baptist, and thank God for all of the good Baptists are out there. We're not in war or competition with anybody, but uh, she was, says, you know, I, I grew up just uh, standing in church with my hands by my side, and today was Quite uh, exuberant. (laughs) And I said, yeah, well, we're Pentecostals. That's the way we've always done it. So when I say clap your hands, that's just something that we always do. And it's not to make you feel uncomfortable, but it's us declaring that Jesus is worthy and that he is the Lord of all. Amen. 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 Peter also talked about how Jesus was raised from the dead uh, by God. Verse 40 and 41. But Jesus raised him on the third day and made him manifest, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. What a powerful testimony that the one that we are serving, death could not hold him. The grave could not hold him. Amen. There's another thing that he said. He said that Jesus is the source of God's forgiveness for our sin. Verse 43. He is the one all the Prophets testified about. Remember what Jesus told the religious leaders? You're searching your scriptures when the scriptures are all about me. This is the one. All the prophets testified about him, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. I love that Peter lifts up Jesus as the source of God's forgiveness from our sins. And as he just kept lifting Jesus up and as he kept talking about, he is the peacemaker. He was raised from the dead. He is the one that came to forgive our sins. He is the one that conquered sin. Then it comes back to that scripture in verse 44. While he was speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on them who were hearing the message of God. I, I'm, I am in full, uh, listen, full, uh, fully aware that my voice and my preaching style is never going to be able to move thousands. It's never going to be one of those voices that that people say, oh man, I just heard this amazing preacher. However, I do know that I am connected to one whose name is Jesus and if I will lift him up and if I will talk about Jesus, then this is what's going to happen. The Spirit of the Lord will Fall. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's just make up our mind that not only are we going to be a repentant church, but we're going to be a church where we lift up Jesus Christ. Amen. Can I just ask you, has the Lord been good to anybody in this place? Is he worthy of our praise? Is he worthy of our glory? Is he worthy for us to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah amen amen i'm thankful I'm thankful for that I'm thankful that that's what the church will do We'll be repentant we'll lift up Jesus and then the third thing i'm I'm wrapping up i'm getting close now. I know that i'm only on point three, but my goodness, you can't believe how close I am to being over. Uh, <laughs> the third sound of revival is that we pray that we would live in the spirit. We we get to the place where we no longer want to live According to the things of this world Lindsay talked about it a little bit while she was praying and speaking today. That was so good Lindsay I'm so thankful to hear her voice and 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 she talked about the world don't pay any attention to it You know, there's something about revival when we're revived. We don't even want what the world has We want what God has we want what the spirit of the Lord has for us And, and 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 we need that We need to live in the spirit First of all, we need to live in the spirit because we need God's power in our witness as we go into our workplaces, as we go to our families, it doesn't need to be just words that we say about Jesus. It needs to be the power of the Lord living in us that is an example on how we have overcome. We need God's power in our witness. Jesus even said it in the chapter 1 of Acts verse 8 that, that he was going to give them power. So we need to understand that that same power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave is alive and welling us today. Joseph even said that. I was sitting there thinking maybe the worship team should just preach today but the, I, I, they were taking all my points. We, we have to understand. Every, everybody just listen to me for a minute. This is not something we understand by logic or by science. This is something we understand by faith. This is something we understand by the Spirit of God. We have to understand that God's power in us is greater than anything that we will ever face. Does anybody believe that with me this morning? Does anybody believe that in Houston this morning? I just would ask you if you have a testimony, did the Spirit of God help you overcome anything? Did the Spirit of God help you get set free from something that you thought you would never be set free from? That's what happens when we are in the power of God and and, and we need that. We also need God's power in our walk, just our daily walk. We need need the power of God to help us. And, And Paul said it in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to Christ because he of all he has done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that you will, that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Listen to verse number two. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We need God's will God's power in our walk and and, and this is the last uh, thing I want to say in in, in praying that we are a spirit filled church we need God's power in our words everybody say the power of my words I I want God to anoint my voice now now I want him to anoint my voice when I'm preaching for sure I, I need it I've got to have his help but you know what beyond that I want God to anoint my voice in my everyday conversation. Because this is what happens in everyday conversation. We many times move into a realm of criticizing, either criticizing ourselves. I've heard people say horrible things about themselves. Listen, there's power in your words don't don't quit talking about how inadequate you are how dumb you are how you can't do it don't don't do that don't let the power we need the spirit to guide our words i am who you say i am lord i am a child of god is anybody thankful to be a child of god well if you're thankful then let that be the words of your mouth I heard someone say this past couple of weeks, and I can't remember who it was. It was a a preacher that I was talking to, and he talked about how God had really spoken to him about just the words that he says. And and, and this is what he said. Maybe there's a message here for someone. I'm not wanting to step on toes today, but if it happens, it happens. He said that God even convicted him about arguing with his wife. I said, my Lord. Don't nudge any, your neighbor or your spouse. Uh, say it again. All right, let's preach a little bit. He, he said that the Lord convicted him about arguing with his wife because sometimes when we're arguing, how many of you know this? We say things that we shouldn't say. And how many of you know this, that, that we say things that we can never take back? That somehow or another, the hundreds and thousands of compliments that we say are outweighed by the one dumb thing we say when we're mad. And they're put in that memory bank. And then when something goes wrong, there is this comment that comes out. Remember what you said. Now, I don't know if women do that, but I know men do it. And you know what I've decided I've decided I want my voice to be anointed. I want the power of my words to speak life To my family, to my wife, to my children, my beautiful Lacey sitting here on the front row. I only want words of affirmation and, and, and power to come out of my mouth for her. Because I know that she is a child of God. And I know how easy it is for one word for me to say to crush somebody's spirit. That This, folks, is some good preaching. I'm telling you, this is something that you can take to the bank. This is something that you can hold on to. And I just wish that in the Houston campus, the Friendswood campus, we would make up our mind. We need the anointing of God on our words. I'm going to speak faith. I'm going to speak what is good. I'm going to speak what is possible. Amen. Amen. Can I take it just a step further? Can Will you indulge me for a few more minutes in this subject? I'm not going to talk bad about my church. I'm not going to talk bad about my leaders. I'm not going to talk bad about the people that sit on the road beside me. I'm going to talk life. Amen. Now, are there things that are different between us? Yes. Are there different personalities? Yes. Some of you just may be sitting there thinking, I am irritating. You're wrong, but you may be thinking that. It may be my personality is rubbing you the wrong way, but think about how Jesus put up with Simon Peter. Think about how he put up with Judas. Think about how he put up with all of the different people. He loved them, and that's what we should do the power of our words. I affirm this church. I affirm you, Houston campus. I affirm you, Friendswood campus. You are children of God, and God has something great for us. How many of you believe that? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I better get back in my notes. You know, just for your uh, knowing, if I'm standing in front of my notes, it's all ad lib. When I get back over here, I'm back on script. So we're back where we should be. The power of God's uh, God's power in our words. The words we speak have tremendous power to build up or to tear down. And I want to pray that prayer. I want to pray. I want to be repentant. Everybody say, I want to be repentant. That's that's the prayer that we pray. The sound of the prayer. I I want to pray where I exalt Jesus. Everybody say, exalt Jesus. I, I want to pray that we would live in the Spirit. Say, live in the Spirit. And then the last prayer that I feel like comes with revival. And and if you will, why don't you stand with me? The team's coming out here in Friendswood, Houston team. Come on out. And and I'm going to be calling for the prayer team here in just a moment. So prayer team, get ready in both locations. Uh, The fourth thing is that I want to pray for God's spirit to fill us up. To fill us up. So this morning... I was listening to a memorial service that was for my granddad. This was this was years ago, probably 30 35 years ago. They had this service in Cunningham, Texas. Does anybody here know where Cunningham, Texas is? If you do raise your hand. See nobody knows where Cunningham, Texas is. I mean, it's just a little place out of the way. It was once a thriving community that of course, world changes and those little communities, uh, many of them died out. And that's one of them. But my granddad went to that community years ago and brought the gospel. And this memorial service, they were actually uh, erecting a little monument for him. And, and it's a beautiful, I've actually been there just once. I, I was thinking this morning, I've got to take my family to that. And they had these people come up. Now, this, this, Revival took place back in the 1930s, 1940s. And so when it was um, filmed 15 or 20 years ago, it, the people that were testifying that had been a part of that revival were just, they were very old, elderly. And uh, it, it was, man, i tell you what, it just, it did something to me this morning to hear it. And And, and when they were testifying, they were talking about how The power of God moved in such an amazing way. And and Granddad had one service there that um, many say is still the largest religious gathering that was ever in that Lamarck County area. Thousands and thousands of people came. And and their testimony was how the Spirit of God just moved so strongly. They, They talked about healings. They talked about a little cripple boy. He was actually there, and when he was like 18 months old, uh, he, he couldn't walk, paralyzed from the waist down. God healed him in a meeting, and he, he got up and said, well, I can't tell you that I remember the miracle because I was just a baby, but I can tell you it happened. <laughs> and it, it was just so refreshing. And so if I were to ask you today, what is the greatest need of the church. You know, some would say, well, well Pastor, we, we need a new campus in Friendswood. You may be right. That's one of a great need that we have. Pastor, what are we going to do in Houston? We need a new campus there. Or Pastor, we need more missionaries. We need, we need to give more to missions. We need better children's facilities. I've heard it all. Believe me, I've heard it all. But I just tell you right now that um, the greatest need of Life Church, the greatest need... Is that we would have men and women and young people and children full of the Spirit of God. Full of the Spirit of God. Because this is what happens when we're full of the Spirit of God. Our actions become Christ-like. Our actions become helpful. And I, I believe there are so many benefits, so many benefits for us to be full of the Spirit of God. And so that last prayer is that we pray, Lord, just let us be full of your Spirit. Lord, let us be full of your Spirit. Prayer team, come on down. Houston, prayer team, come on down. Get ready. I'm going to turn this to Pastor Bo in just a moment if he wants to get ready for uh, the last prayer that, that for the service. But, but this is what happens when we are Spirit-filled We come into a building like this and we encourage one another and we come into a building like this and we edify one another and we come into a building like this and our gifts are on full display. We're prophesying and we're helping one another and we're speaking words of knowledge and and people are like, "Woo!" Count me out. I don't want all that crazy thing. You don't realize how good and pure it is when it's done right out of the love of God. See, so many of us have seen those things operate under man and man's motivations. But when God moves and it was under the hand of God, how beautiful it is to speak a word that would help somebody and encourage them. I, when we're full of the spirit we come in we encourage we edify the fruit of the spirit the love and the joy and the the peace and the kindness and and when we're full of the spirit we start calling things out in people we start telling them I know God's got an anointing on your life I can see the hand of God in your life I I believe that God wants to use you in a mighty way (laughs) I don't know about you but I want to be a part of a church It's not built on talent. It's not built on speaking ability, which we're safe in that area. It's not built on uh, grand cathedrals. I want to be a part of a church that is built on the power of the Holy Ghost. Is anybody with me? The sound of revival. Amen. Houston campus, I love you. I'll see you next week. And I turn you over to Pastor Bo now. God bless you. Take that service. And for the Friendswood campus, I just want to pray right now.